Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys and the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the 1993 Singles Edition. We're talking Weekend at Bernie's 2. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. I'm here in Pacific Beach, coming to you from the closet as always. Joining me, you know him, he can't be stopped. <laughs> Not unlike Bernie himself, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hi, Tom. Why would I have to guard a dead man stuck in a two-foot refrigerator? <laughs> that is this movie in a nutshell. I thought you might go shalom and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't have options. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I chose that because it is... It is it, like I said, it's this movie in in a nutshell, an insane nutshell. That's crazy. A nutshell, a nutshell where the nut is on the outside and the shell is on the inside, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and it's completely That's... made of edges. Yes. <laughs> Somebody hollowed out a nut and stuffed it with shell. But if you, if you if if you want to know what kind of a movie you're watching, you you kind of you know, put that line out front. And that will set your expectations better than probably any line of dialogue in the movie. If you know that this is going to happen at some point, then you're ready to watch this movie. Yeah. However, I did not know this line existed, therefore I was not ready. Well, I mean, it, it begs the question, is this movie a comedy or a horror movie? Everything uh, I think we said this in the in the ranking episode. Yeah. Everything they think is funny in this movie is disgusting and or horrific. Yeah, it's truly <laughs> terrible. Literally everything. It's truly terrible from from start to finish. Every single moment of I guess what they think is corpse slapstick is right. You know, yes, is a achieves a level of horror and terror that. You know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would would die. Would envy, would envy, yes. And one of the things we'll I point love. out those moments as they go, but right. there are a lot of them. But that's a one of the things of them. that makes this movie so bad. It's good, definitely, definitely. That level of miss of like that level of. Of getting the tone wrong. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> in in a completely sustained way throughout the movie. That level of of, of atonal inconsistency <laughs> is something you can't manufacture. Right. So, alright, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking Weekend at Bernie's 2, which came out on July 9th, 1993, which I love just that. Just that it came out like... Midsummer, you know. Well, in their minds, you know, they're thinking summer blockbuster. I think in their minds, they're thinking people are booking the summer vacations. <laughs> We've got a lot of money from the St. Thomas Tourist Board to make this movie, <laughs> right? 
This is the last possible opportunity we have to release it before people go to their travel agents. Yes, travel agents. It was 1993. Yes. And book a vacation. Yeah. And put put St. Thomas at the forefront of their mind. Oh, that's great. With literally thousands of shots of this island. <laughs> that occur throughout this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, it's directed by Robert Klein, uh, who has, you know, this guy's no slouch in terms of... Uh, he knows comedy. Yeah, the number of movies he's done. He's done Thank God It's Friday. If you remember Unfaithfully Yours with Dudley Moore. <laughs> <laughs> but he also did a Vacation sequel, yeah. European Vacation. That's right. Walk as a writer, like a though, man. Right? Not a director. What's that? As a writer rather than director, did I see that, or did he? Direct that it might be. Um, you're right. I think I think the written ones were unfaithfully yours, the man with one red shoe and European vacation. Right. Yeah. So, maybe maybe someone is a better at writing screenplays than directing them. Right. I'm trying to figure out what what the what's what you, happened here. Do you remember the uh, <laughs> the Michael Keaton vehicle Walk Like a Man? I do not. He did that too. I remember. Okay. I remember a specific memory of. You know when you're. Would it make Michael Keaton go to a a brewery and say, <laughs> "Walk, Walk like, like a, a man"? man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh no, I don't think it's quite as bad as as okay. as a Jack Frost, but you know, I get it. What can I say? Just so do you think it, it so the guy obviously knows comedy. And actually I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and say this movie demonstrates a director who who does understand comedy. Maybe he doesn't understand how to transfer that to a storyline about a corpse. Yeah, Which, I gotta say, I'm sympathetic to. I don't know if I'd be able to make that funny, either. <laughs> no, yeah, I I agree. I mean, why why do the movie? That's the other question. But you know, they did so. But I I I see I see some I see like a good basic fundamental understanding of comedy in this movie. Yeah, none of it has to do with Bernie. Oh, I just mixed up my movies, by the way. Walk Like a Man is a different movie. I'm thinking of The Dream Team. Walk Like a Man is Howie Mandel. Now, The Dream Team is a good movie. That's the one I was thinking of. Okay, that's a really good movie. I like no, that movie. No, that's nowhere near a Jack Frost. That's a, yeah. That's an excellent... I think that movie's really movie. funny. I was thinking I think Walk Like a Man that, is the one with Howie Mandel. And I can't... Re- uh, I don't remember that one, but anyway... <laughs> I think Christopher um, I think Christopher Lloyd's in it. The Dream Team? No, well, he's in that too, actually, now that I think about it. Yes. <laughs> no wonder you were confused. Stephen No, the, Stephen I remember first, the Dream Team specifically. Peter Boyle is Dream it, it's Team. It's a really solid comedy, yeah. and I think solid comedy is in evidence at points in this movie as well, which is which just adds to what's so baffling about it. Yeah, that's the thing. So I when when I think about this movie, I think about its director Robert Klein constantly telling the actors, "That was great. You're hitting it. We're we're hitting, firing at all cylinders." But I don't think he's wrong. I would be saying the same to them. Well, I don't yeah, think, you're right. I, I mean, don't think they're missing anything, really. I think they needed like a they needed a death coach for Terry Kaiser to tell him not to move, because. <laughs> 
I'm sympathetic. He's been playing a corpse for two movies. But by this point, he should know. Don't move when you're a corpse. He moves all the time. Yeah, like but a that's... Person. But that's by no, design. I'm not talking about the voodoo dancing. Okay. Okay? That's a, that's, that's a whole other like, cat. give the man a break. He's, he's, he's been voodooed. <laughs> yeah, no. Vo- this is sans voodoo... Terry Kaiser is moving far too much for a corpse. That's one of my one of my two beefs with the movie. Okay, is that he is moving too much for a man who's supposed to be dead. Um, <laughs> but there is some good basic comedy in this movie. Yeah, there is. There's a few solid gags, and the actors are are doing like they're they're wringing that comedy sponge. Well, I really think, well. I think because <laughs> I mean, obviously there there is a bit of physical comedy for this movie. When you're talking about a corpse moving to voodoo, to music yeah. due to a voodoo, whatever, resurrection. Curse. Curse. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. It's, it's more, more of a resurrection, spell. but it's spell, a spell. It's yeah, spell. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that aspect of it, but when you look at some of the things that Andrew McCarthy is doing in this movie, yeah. uh, when he's in the office with Barry Bostwick, Mm-hmm. And moving about and like going in front of Jonathan yeah. Silverman and then back behind him and his hand gestures. Like there is some some pretty magical physical comedy that he is, is doing. Yeah. Just just in a normal scene in an office speaking his lines. And, ba- you know, Barry Bostick is do is is kind of he's in his own movie, which is a sort of Pink Panther sequel. Um, oh, yeah. In which he is the he is the Clouseau. And. I, and uh, again, he's he's doing fine work. He he's he's draining the comedy for all it's worth. You know, he's taking this exhausted idea and just kind of getting as they... much out of it as he can. Tom Wright too. Tom yeah. Wright in this movie with his increasingly short shorts. I know. I he's know. he's getting the best out of the role. Well, and so is his partner Steve James. I think. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I have a, a, I have a some particular fondness for Tom Wright, but yes. yeah, but you know, because we we were just talking about this with the mannequin movies because those movies end in a Keystone Cops kind of way. But when they're yeah, when they're trying to get the corpse, and after they've gotten the corpse and they're in the subway, there's so many moments. There's Keystone Cop moments for them. There's yeah. uh, running around a corner and hopping yeah. on one leg. Er, 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 you know, it's good fundament. You know, to to use a sporting analogy, it's good fundamentals. Sure, is what it is, comedy wise. Um, it's it's it's, and I think you know that that is that is something that this movie has over other bad movies. Yeah, completely. Is this base this this baseline of of sort of competent comedy beneath it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what's great to me is what I like, I think one of the things I like the most about the movie is the movie is juxtaposing all of what we've just said with yeah. characters constantly making the wrong choices, doing the one yeah. thing that nobody should ever do. Right. If they, if you were to take it at face value, 
Like, all of these people would be despicable people doing despicable things almost all the time. Yes. And yet you never have that sense as you're watching it because everybody is so charming and fun and funny. I love it. I love that about this movie. And and so many so much ridiculous stuff is happening and being called out for what it is, to for how ridiculous it is within the frame of the movie. Yes. At times I actually stop and think, you know, this movie is as stupid as the day is long, but yeah. <laughs> does it does it have a a sense of its own inanity? And I think sometimes it does. Like I think sometimes it's I mean, this is always my I, big I really with... couldn't decide. I couldn't. I I know. I'm I right struggled with that too. a lot. But there are definite moments where, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying that they set out to make a bad movie. Any? You no, know, right. I, I don't think it's. I don't think. Don't it, think I don't think it was far. that. But I think there were just moments in this when in, I think in they the lean make... into the stupid sometimes, though. Well, in in the making of it, in the writing of it, in the performing of it, that there, you get these glimpses that they might be aware of that what they're doing is this this unique once in a lifetime well and so pushing the pushing the boundaries as that's much what as you i want to talk can. about yes because to me is this like almost an impasse is this a sequel convention is this their idea of raising the stakes yes in a sequel right i think i and then that's self i think that's self-evident that it's they're, they're actually thinking... Of, this is the other thing that's fascinating about, movie, about this movie. They're thinking about sequels in a, in a really logical way. Right. Yes, exactly. In, you know, extrapolating the story and continuing it in a way that totally makes sense if you're not doing it with a corpse. Yes. Like, I, I, I buy where this movie goes if it wasn't centered around a corpse. If it wasn't... Like, the whole right. idea of, like, of, like, you know, they get fired for what they did... In the last movie, yeah. the fact that the money's still out there and the movie is about people trying to track it down, but the, ba- basically Barry Bostick's arc in this movie is is the most legitimate. I was just gonna say they sequel, set yes, con- continuation sequel element of this because they set up his arc right from the beginning. There's right. you know the the two boys have been fired and then yeah. the Uber boss is saying. You know, we have, whatever, we have a shareholder meeting or something like that. Yeah, and yeah. and if if I tell them that we have lost how what is it? 2 million? Yeah, I can't remember, but yeah. So, I if I tell them that we've lost 2 million dollars, then you're out on your ass too. Right. And all of a sudden you have set everything right. that he's going to do. And that's do. good sequel writing, exactly, right? Exactly. That's, yeah. that's like something we would expect in Rocky 2 or Halloween 2 or something like right. that. Cuz he's not Just in like the good... first movie. So, you you have a new character, you give him the arc, because it's not like, you know, Jonathan Silverman and Andrew McCarthy, they're learning no lessons. (laughs) And they're also not in enough of the movie to learn any lessons. Right. Yeah, you're right. That's true. um, Which is the other big imbass that, that, like, there's a kind of, there's a kind of legacy surrogate tag team going on here. Like, they keep passing the gauntlet between the surrogate Richard and Larry's and the real Richard and Larry's in a way I've not really seen since Charlton Heston and James Franciscus in Beneath the, the Planet of yeah, the Apes. Yeah, right. You know, as you as you sort of said, we have a surrogate 
you know, in that movie, we have a surrogate for Charlton Heston, but Charlton Heston is, is in the movie. still in the movie. <laughs> yeah. We have the same here. Charles and Henry right. are Richard are surrogates for Richard and Larry. However, Richard and Larry are in the movie. Right. Um, it's it's kind of it's fascinating in that respect. And it, it another movie it made me think of another completely extraneous sequel that is not well regarded. Uh, the Legend of Curly's Gold, the City Slickers. Yeah sequel but what's what makes this immediately better before you even put them side to side as movies <laughs> is that there's no curly's gold in city slickers right but in weekend at bernie's there is bernie's gold there is a chest is of money the, is the ma- is so so we're at, we're following the money yeah <laughs> like that side of the movie that side of continuing the story makes total sense it's just that it's you surrounded have this by ridiculousness. Well, you have this corpse, right? Who, who because is, yeah, you have this guy who is dead. There is nothing for him to do, but be dead. <laughs> but be dead. I mean, for for some characters in this movie, he he, I'm thinking of the beginning, I guess, especially that cop or the morgue attendant, rather, who sees him yeah, twice. <laughs> he is brought into the morgue. And they're saying, okay, like, you know, yeah, he died. And then he leaves. And then the two, you know, and then you have, is it Charles and Moby? Steve James and Tom Wright? Oh, is it not Charles and Henry? I thought it was Charles and Henry. You had said Henry earlier. I thought his name was Moby. It's perfectly possible. Anyway, so... Basically, I I keep... I basically think of them as... uh, two characters from a Key and Peele sketch about black characters in Hollywood cinema. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and if, if Key and Peele did a sketch about black characters in Hollywood cinema, it would they would be, be these dressed two the guys. same. They would say the same things. Yes. They would make exactly the same choices. <laughs> they, they, they would, as they're trying to resurrect a dead person, they would take time in a Key and Peele sketch for, for the black characters to dance. Right, exactly. Which yes. is what happens yeah. in this movie. And that morgue scene is is critical here because narratively they throw a myriad of reasons at us as to why this might not be over for Bernie. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that the morgue is busy, so we can't get him in the drawer straight away. Right, right. <laughs> and in, yes. in this movie's weird perspective on death, that means... He, you know, because they don't put him in the drawer, and I guess don't do an autopsy on him. <laughs> that gives him a whole other movie. Yeah, exactly. To be a corpse in. That's what that scene is telling us. It's like he didn't make it to the drawer, therefore he's gonna be a corpse for the rest of the movie. And this movie thinks legitimately so. Yes, agreed. That that's the normal course of things after people die. If they don't get in, they don't get right into the morgue. They've got you know another ninety minutes worth of shenanigans up their sleeve. <laughs> well, uh, I think we might be the only ones who are gonna, you know, somewhat yeah. sing the praises of this movie. It only had ten percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's a famously derided movie. Yeah, but on a budget of seven million dollars, it had an opening weekend of four million dollars, and it made twelve point seven. So, hmm. made a profit. Not much that's of good. one, but <laughs> made one. Well, I think that speaks to the watchability of it. Uh huh. Right. No, I, I yeah, I'd have to agree. 
but I think people are probably well. No, no. I mean, as famous as as famously as this move as this movie's reputation is, it's even more famous uh, in pop culture for being embarrassed about liking it. In is both it really? Friends, I... In both Friends and Seinfeld, there are references to Weekend at Bernie's 2, and the joke both times is, oh, wow. I like this, but I'm embarrassed to like it. I don't remember that. In Friends, it's a quiz about who... I can't remember which friend they're it is. They're quizzing each other about each other? Yeah they're, yeah, they're quizzing each other about each other. It's like, what do they? What does X say that their favorite movie okay. is, and what is it? I remember and, that. You know, that sounds so, like something the, Chandler some might high like art or movie something. Is, the first answer is some high art movie. The second one is Weekend at Bernie's 2. Seinfeld had exactly the same gag where um, Elaine is uh, kind of having a romance with the guy who picks the movies <laughs> at her local video store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, my gosh, I forgot and about And she that. cheats on him with this guy who likes dumb movies. Right. And what I remember from that is is Elaine like getting Weekend at Bernie's 2 on Kramer's recommendation. And her watching it at home and just shouting at the screen, Bernie is dead! He is dead! <laughs> Which I have to say, kind of resembles my... Uh, Many of your my notes. Fe- my feedback, for my sort of um, <laughs> instant feedback for the movie as well. <laughs> so so it, do- it, has a- it has two kinds of... I don't know, what is the opposite of cachet? I don't know yeah, right. The opposite yeah. Of is. <laughs> one is to be one is that it's famously bad, and two is that it's actually pretty watchable, but people are embarrassed about saying they like it. Yeah, which fits absolutely perfectly with the movie that I just watched. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> I mean, we were just talking about when when Tom Wright and Steve James when they get the corpse the first time. And then somebody's walking in the halls. And so, I love that you had to narrow that down. I know. <laughs> I know. So they push the gurney down the hall so they're not seen with a gurney. And the body just flies out the window. Yeah. yeah. And so this is a problem that's a problem for about four seconds because the two people in the hallway don't see them. They just walk away. Yeah. And this is one of the, you know, many times you're going to hear Tom Wright say something like, is, isn't it, it? Ain't this some shit? Yeah, you know, but the shot—I mean, but the shot is from the street, from the trash can that Bernie has fallen into, and you see his feet dangling over the side up to the uh window, and that shot almost completely represents the whole movie to me. Like the the director gets it; he gets. I really think he does. Yeah, I think he. I think. You know, we talk. You talk in in cuisine about you know elevated. You know, like junk yeah. food that's that's elevated <laughs> right. to restaurant standard. I think that's what this movie is doing with the concept of a of a bad movie. Absolutely, it's kind of elevated it to an art form. Yeah, this is this movie is absolutely <laughs> like <laughs> on a really good on a really good dish. This is the, the crumble of Cool Ranch Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, but on a dish where that's what makes the dish. Yeah, but but yeah, you yeah, yeah. but you it's one of those things. I tell you what it is. It's like one of those taste tests that, that companies do, where they you know they put like a the 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 really bad version of something in a blind taste test with 
the you know and with right. the, with the more expensive equivalent and you end up liking the bad one better mm-hmm. I, I mean this, this is it but with bad movies you know it's like one is cruel jaws one is this right and you go but cruel jaws it must be you know it must be it, it must have a better chance at being a sublimely awful movie and it's like no weekend at bernie's too right <laughs> is actually hitting all it's adding even more notes than a movie like cruel jaws is you're not wrong badness. friend all right well let's uh why don't we take our first break <laughs> yes. we'll end it there and then we'll come back We'll get off our soapboxes. Yeah, exactly. About... We'll stop trying to convince the audience of how fun this movie is, and then we'll just come back and, uh, you know, give more evidence, I suppose. Right. All right. Right after this. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen. Tom and I are here discussing... The Robert Klein movie, Weekend at Bernie's 2. I think we both listed this movie as bottom of our lists. No. For the 93 sequels, didn't we? For the ones we're doing now, no, the stakeout was below both of them. Oh, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. But this was third on our list. Yeah. Okay. I forgot about another stakeout. You're right. I think it's interesting, like, you know... This movie is so much more successful than another stakeout was. Yeah, it really is. I mean, that was a no brainer. That part of it was a no brainer for me. Yeah. Um, But it's also interesting that all of the 1993 sequels that that we've selected, each of them had this kind of huge surprise in the watching of it. Mm -hmm. Like not realizing quite what it was. Right. And all in positive ways, Mm -hmm. I would say. Like. Not you know this is none of them. I'm like this is worse than I remember it. No, or, yeah, right. This is better than it's considered, or it was always, always to you know it was always uplifting. Yeah. Whatever we discovered, and I wonder if if <laughs> I don't think sequels from every year would necessarily do that. Yeah, exactly. That's why it's fascinating to do it this way. It's just something about 1993. It's getting it right. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, we'll have to... Also, The Fugitive came out this year. Yeah, 
That's no coincidence. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's another movie that famously just sort of wrote as they went along. How that movie became such a great movie is beyond me. They had an incomplete script. They were just kind of writing it as they went along. That movie is fucking great. You got no argument for me there. All right. Well, <laughs> this movie this movie's under 90 minutes, I believe. Isn't it like one an hour an hour and 28 minutes? You might be right, which is is another uh, another um aspect in its favor. Yeah, absolutely. But what what but what makes me Cruel laugh? Jaws is like I mean, 95 or something. What's that? Cruel Jaws is like 95 and Maybe. Oh, some yeah. But what you know, it kind of hits on what you were saying earlier, in the sense of we have some surrogates in Tom Wright and Steve James. They're sort of, mm-hmm. you know, the new. They're the side Larry and Richard. They are in this movie, and you have that sense of it because we spend long periods of time with them th- really throughout do. this movie. Yeah, you know, I mean, they are. It's not like they're peppered in. No, <laughs> and so. And so when you're when you're watching it, there are times when you I I started wondering, are we is why are we spending so much time? Yeah. Are we struggling to get to 90 minutes or is this something else entirely? Have we have we really developed actual surrogates? What do you think about that? But again, I think it's I'm guessing it's exactly the same as in Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh huh. McCarthy and Silverman didn't want to do every scene in the movie didn't want to be there every week they were filming so we you know they don't mind taking a little island trip and having some off time (laughs) they also seem to have a contract stipulation where they will only do a certain number of scenes with Bernie because Bernie (laughs) interacts with literally everyone Everyone but them in the movie including extras right yeah well, that's it. I mean, that that's so part of it, I think, is this sort of that, you know, they're the surrogates and, and we're going to split the movie between them. And just like Beneath the Planet of the Apes, about two two thirds of the way through the movie, you know, we, we the, the, the surrogates kind of and the legacy characters join up mm-hmm. at exactly the same point as that happens in Beneath the Planet right. of the Apes. So I think all of I, to me, all I get a sense of all of that, like. You know, we'll do this, but under conditions. And I think that's where the the surrogate characters come from. Uh, but there's obviously something going on where where they they and Bernie can't be in the same scenes or the movie doesn't want them to be in all the same scenes. Um, well, I think, doesn't so it feel... That's why, he, that's why he goes off with two different couples right. in the second half of the movie. It also feels as times. though... And there, I think this is what we were speaking to earlier about, like, sort of raising the, the dead stakes as they as they are. Yeah. Uh, we can't have them just be with Larry and Richard. You right. know, we have. Yeah, we have to have Bernie with more people. And that's this sequel's idea yeah. of sort of raising those stakes. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think. I think I think they're probably practical and artistic reasons why mm-hmm. Bernie and Richard and Larry are not the the through line of the movie, shall we yeah. say? Yeah. Um, 
so we, we talked a little bit about uh, how they try and make this a continuation sequel. We're following up on the theft from the company. Yeah. So we've had a nice little... Well, actually, our first... Re let's take it right back to the beginning. Our first recap is the uh, animated title sequence. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So I have a... I, my, con I, my notes are an insight into my confused state at the beginning of this movie. I can't remember. Have you seen the original Weekend at Bernie's? I have, but I have no memory okay. of it. Okay. But it seemed like to me that the movie just started. And that made total sense to me, because historically this has been the sign of a bad movie. Yeah, right. right. The movie just... Piranha 2, Troll 2, or Trolls 2, yeah. Cruel Jaws, they all just start. Right? <laughs> That's the thing. However, the movie isn't just starting. This is an animated title sequence. We have a, we sequence have a title, that, yeah, right. That kind of doesn't look like an animated title sequence for a few seconds. Right. And then it... And then, and then it, it does, jarringly is. Then it jarringly is... <laughs> But the other danger here is is of having an animated title title sequence without a live action cold open, so mm -hmm. that changes your expectation that you're That's actually the opposite watching an animated of mannequin. movie. It's the opposite of mannequin. But I tell you another movie that suffers from this problem: Grease. Oh right, yeah. They're straight in with the cartoon title sequence, and I can tell you there is not a time I have sat down and watched Grease, and I've not double checked that I'm not watching the cartoon version. Not that there is a cartoon version, but the fact that we don't have any live action before that starts. Right. I just think I'm watching the wrong version of Grease, and I feel like this the same is probably true here, right? It's like great. But it's also a total impasse because it's a recap of the first movie, right? That's the. It's recapping the events of... Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know... It, it's hard to tell if they're loosely. trying to recap the first one or if this is a, just sort of a new imagined... Right! Because you know? <laughs> you're, not, you're not seeing what you're about to see. I'm not completely sure you're seeing what we saw in the last movie... Yeah. But it's just sort of they back to the it's, future. Yeah, too, it's yeah. like the third, the further adventures of Bernie. <laughs> right. <laughs> but that's why we have that boardroom scene because that's where we get all the, that's where we get all the exposition. It's like here's where we right. are in the story, yeah. of the money. You know, the story of the money. Um, which we have to find some way to link back to Bernie, who is now, like his his relationship to the money has ended with his death. Yeah, of course, yeah. As as tends to happen, yeah. Uh, but uh, not according to this movie, and that's what the, the first fascinating element, and that's why very soon after that we have to bring in Voodoo. So Voodoo yeah, is our only I mean, way of getting Bernie and the money back together. Is right? is Voodoo a sequel convention now? Do we see Voodoo enough in sequels, I don't or know. is it not quite that far? I mean, it's a, it's def. I think you could call it definitely a trope of resurrection. Uh, yeah, because it might not be specific cinema. just to sequels. <laughs> resurrection cinema. Yeah, you know, it might not be. A... It might might not be specific enough to sequels, but. Well, but we both wanted to go voodoo with our mannequin threes. Yeah, you know, it just fe it feels That's like true actually. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it is. There's a couple of things going on. The the um. I mean, I think I already said in the ranking episode, you know, 
this is this is a plot device that even Halloween Five decided better. You know, better <laughs> goes off, too far. Right? <laughs> um, but but it definitely plays that. You know, it's it's that. It's that shortcut to resurrection, right? It's the short. So right. This is how Bernie can still be a yeah. character in the movie, um, but however, what it does is it links this. It links Weekend at Bernie's to, to the zombie movie, and I'm not talking about post Ramiro zombie movies. I'm talking about the pre Ramiro era of zombie movies, where zombies <laughs> were people possessed by a voodoo curse right. or spell. White zombie. I married a zombie. That's kind of where we're anchoring Bernie's undeadness here. <laughs> it's undeadness, yes. Which, and as the movie goes on, I think we'll keep we'll we'll keep confirming and and reconfirming that this is a zombie movie. Well, yes, it completely and totally is because this movie feels as though that. The climax should be these two at the bank. <laughs> and whatever hijinks happen. It's like Karate Kid 2. They just didn't film right, the last yeah, scene it, of I the I mean, first it feels movie. as though there's hijinks at the bank. They have to make an escape. Maybe they get on a boat. They're chasing them until they get to international waters. And then, hooray, we got the money or something like that. That's what this movie feels like uh, its first draft was. But then you have to get Bernie back in and voodoo becomes part of it. So... Getting the money at the bank, which feels like this huge thing they're building to, takes about four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's, it's the easiest thing for them it's to exa- do. It's like, you know, it's like the the all all the kind of dramatic meat of Karate Kid 2 is in the, the very first scene. And everything <laughs> else is just fucking tea ceremonies. Shut up. <laughs> but, it's, but, but it's the same problem here. It's like, you're absolutely right. And, and basically... You could go straight from that to the end, the actual ending of this movie, where they're on the prostitute boat, right? You know, living at large, capitalism and toxic masculinity prevails. Yeah, <laughs> we've won. Bernie's in the drawer in the morgue. That I mean, you could go, but but the, this movie instead takes this <laughs> this huge detour via the medium of voodoo yeah, right. to get there, and that's what makes this a great bad movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's gone. There's a there's a classic A to B here that the movie has ignored. Yes, it has it's right gone, and circumvented. Yeah, it's gone A to Babagook. Right, and then <laughs> then it's gone back to B. It's insane. Th- this movie's so batshit that when. When when our our B team when Tom Wright and Steve James lose the court or not lose the corpse but lose their chicken and find themselves in... imagine that out of imagine that sentence out of context. <laughs> Are they talking about Weekend at Bernie's too or Gone with the right. Wind? We don't know yeah. anymore. Black people chasing, chasing chickens. chickens. It could be anything. And like, so they find themselves crawling on the floor of a movie theater. They find a man with a chicken, and he tells yeah. them, "Nah, that that's <laughs> this is my chicken." <laughs> Which is a, a solid gag. Absolutely. Is he? And you know, there's there's even what I think is a I, I assume unintentional pun there about jerk chicken. Oh, maybe, yeah. I don't I don't think they got there conceptually, but I did. <laughs> you were able to finish the joke for them in your mind. 
<laughs> no, they already finished the joke. Their joke is perfect. I just sprinkled a little punnery on it. All right. <laughs> it's the bones of the joke are good enough. You can you can do that. Oh, that's, that's why great. it's a good joke. That's it. Just works. It's like subconsciously, on the surface, it all just works. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that was I, and so the thing you know, that thought, what, so uh, <laughs> what reminds me the bank scene. What reminds me. The, the, the funniest thing about this movie is that the things that should be the most difficult are the easiest. When they go back into the morgue <laughs> so to get true. to get Bernie, they have no problems just stealing a corpse. They they find Bernie, who has been stripped of his clothes because he was found dead a second time on the subway and brought back to the morgue. <laughs> Sorry, it's hard to keep up, everyone. But so he's been yeah. stripped. So they find him at the morgue redress him at the morgue, put his body into a suitcase at the morgue, and then walk out. That's a lot to get done without being seen. They get on an airplane in which luggage goes through x-rays even in 1993, right? They probably just thought it was like a sex doll. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) but it's not a problem. So the corpse gets through security. They get on a plane. Well, it is a problem. What's that? Well, it is a problem. (laughs) Because only only when you put him in a confined area where there's no refrigeration does the corpse smell. Yes, exactly. Now, I'm going to say overall, I would prefer as a viewer to just completely suspend disbelief. And not worry about that. The, the processes of rigor mortis yeah. and the corpse rotting is not happening. Yeah. Rather than have to believe have to believe that it is only a problem when you take it out of refrigeration and put it in a in a confined area. <laughs> anyway, that's my overall like either 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 just pretend this is not a problem, but don't make it a problem halfway through the movie. Right, because they, <laughs> I think in both movies they're they're using Lysol in this movie too, right? Deodorant, yeah, as well. I think they and... I think they started that even in the first movie. Right. Yeah. It's Yeah, you should just like you should just trouble with Harriet and just But this is this know, also forget. lends to the gruesomeness. Cuz well, stuffing gonna, him into that suitcase, suit... getting you... him into oh, that mini that's... fridge. Completely horrific. It's all horrific. It's all I've never I mean I've unsettling. never seen anything as I've never seen anything as horrific as Bernie being stuffed into a suitcase yeah. in any movie, horror or otherwise. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know any other way to say it. It's, it's truly horrific. It's terrible. It is true. <laughs> it doesn't. It it that doesn't make me laugh. It doesn't entertain me. It just chills me to the bone <laughs> with fear and anxiety and terror. <laughs> it's... It's doing what every horror movie wishes they could, you know, guarantee. (laughs) Right? And it's doing it almost absentmindedly. I think maybe that's a t-shirt. In the name of comedy. That might be a t-shirt. You know, Bernie in a suitcase. And underneath it just says fear, anxiety, and terror. (laughs) And that's not even... It gets worse, I think. Uh, Yeah, it does. This This is the tip of the iceberg. I just want to shout out to um, both, you know, in tribute to the director and to the two actors. When we're in the subway with Bernie and he gets put on the train and the train goes away, we have some great 
long shot slapstick choreography, which mm-hmm. you know reminds me of like Laurel and Hardy. Absolutely, or yeah. And not only is it being performed well by the two actors and choreographed well, it's being shot well. Yeah. And that's kind of and again like at some level this movie understands comedy. It does. Did you notice? You can't by the have way? these moments if you don't right. get it. Did you notice by the way? Because there's one moment. There's an establishing shot of a subway train mm. zooming in front of the camera, and at that moment the camera actually. I think it's at an angle, and then it goes straight, mm. and then it angles again. Wow! <laughs> so it's like he's trying to get a comedic shot. Yeah. Of just the subway coming down the tunnel. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how that keeps happening. And, you know, you kind of laugh in spite of in spite of yourself sometimes. Yes. And when I first saw that Bernie doll, I, I laughed out loud for some time. <laughs> that Bernie voodoo doll. Right, yes. <laughs> and then I, then I, you know, then I flagellated myself for laughing so hard. <laughs> Because that's just a voodoo doll dressed as Terry Kaiser. Yeah. Like, it looks like Terry Kaiser. The fact that they just made that connection, I don't know. It, it tickled me. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. So we're... So, okay, and this... So, going back to Beneath the Planet of the Apes. All right. The first half hour of this movie is a speed through with the B actors, just as that movie uh-huh. is. Because we've sort of, we've reenacted Weekend at Bernie's with these two new guys. Right. And they've gone through all the same steps of dealing, you know, dealing with a corpse comedically. <laughs> that can, that you could, right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and then, then we're into the main part of the movie. <laughs> I guess you could say that. When they go to St. Thomas. But they go to St. Thomas. It's a huge impasse here, relocating a sequel to a right. a foreign exotic location. Yeah. I mean, that is that's a big impasse, you know. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it again, feels because when the you first do that movie, with a corpse, it's an entirely new twist on the convention. Right. That takes on a whole new life. The first movie. Oh, where are they in the first movie? The Hamptons. Yeah, I, I think, think so. But it's. I mean, they, you still have sand, but you're right in the sense of, you know. Well, this, I mean, it, it's not just, it's not just, uh, it's not St. Thomas shot on a backlog. Exactly, right. We're we're really there. Yeah. And uh, we can never forget we're actually in St. Thomas because, I mean, the amount of, the, of yeah. footage, <laughs> is... shot after shot, of real <laughs> travel log footage of St. Thomas. Um. Like every time I saw it, I can imagine the direct, I can imagine Robert Klein just doing the stretch gesture, just like <laughs> more in the editing just room. Just like, we seconds, need more. Please. Just keep keep giving me those helicopter shots. I of the promised islands. the tourism bureau that I would add. And you're not wrong about that. The credit check will confirm that suspicion. Yeah. That is, I mean, they're, they're not promises. They're, they're, that was money that that they needed to have that stuff in the movie to appease the advertisers. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of advertisers, you know what I also enjoy about watching movies from 1993 when you see products that you'd forgotten about that you forgot uh, existed, like clearly Canadian. What is clearly? I did. What is clearly Canadian? It's sort of you know flavored soda water. It's like imagine a New York kind of 
uh, what was it? Were those called New York seltzers? Seltzers? Yeah, but so, oh. you know, those flavored seltzers. Wow. Uh, clearly Canadian. And I, I mean, I, it, that, I swear, that hit me in the jaw. Because I loved clearly Canadians back at that time, and I don't, I don't yeah. even know if they, if I, if you, if they exist anymore. I've never. Or heard if of you them. can find them still in America, maybe, maybe just in Canada, but, but I, I, when they are emptying that fridge to stuff Bernie in, <laughs> yeah. I went ape shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whoa, clearly Canadian. I forgot all but about speak- it. I wanted to ask you about the period specificity of this movie because we, we we talked even as recently as the mannequin movies about how in you know the early nineties stylistically still has a lot of the eighties in it. Mm-hmm. And this movie is doubly so when it's in New York because it's early nineties New York, but yeah, the representation of it is the seventies and eighties. It's porno theaters, right. black exploitation. It's you know the kind of New York that you see in in uh, the Juice. Um, right. It's you know uh, that that kind of Wall Street. And sleaze. I'm a little iffy on my time. I mean, when did you know? I know it was Giuliani, but when did yeah? When, when did Times Square New really York start in many cleaning ways up? Still, yeah. Was that late nineties? New York, yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's that's fair. It's like New York is still like that to some extent. Yeah, but it seemed like they were really leaning into a kind of the the, the New York of Taxi Driver. Yeah, right. <laughs> and or the Juice, you know, yeah. it's that kind of. And I found again, I found that fascinating because we commented even as recently as Mannequin about you know a, a like an early 90s club just looks like an 80s club with a couple of kid and play lookalikes in yeah. it. And the, everything 90s about this movie is kind of superficial, superficially laid on, but this is the early 90s, so right. you don't even have a sense of what the changes are yet. And I'm just wondering what... I felt like... like in, I think it's... In what year? Yeah, you're starting to get the idea, but I think also you're... you're I think this particular movie is also just dealing with small budget. So, and is it set in the eighties? Oh, that's a fair question. It would, it would, yes, it would be. It has, it has I mean, to be right because this is all happening. The first movie is eighty nine. So, because <laughs> yeah, Bernie would be a skeleton if it was in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> he would have turned into a skeleton. <laughs> all right. Let's, he would have t- I can't believe I haven't insane. thought about that until now. That this was this has to be this has to be the late eighties because Bernie. Otherwise, he would be because because the movie takes the time to talk about how he's decomposing. We it can't be nineteen ninety three. It has I to be eighty nine. This movie just got better. That's great. I think this movie this movie just got better. That's amazing. Now it's now it's a now it's not even. It's a movie set in the eighties. <laughs> All right, uh, let's take another break and we'll compose ourselves and come back. And... I really, yeah, I really need a moment uh, gonna, to process this. We'll come really back do. and we'll finish up. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you. 
If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target and check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug, the dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you. And we're back once again, everyone. Tom and I are here finishing up with Weekend at Bernie's 2. Tom, I got a fun fact for you. (laughs) (laughs) Is this going to... Is this going to finish me off? Yeah, it might. Okay. We just... We just we just uh, went to break, finishing up that we realized that this movie did take place in the eighties, <laughs> because it's a continuation from the first story. Uh, because of medical science. Because of medical science. And the and the, and the process of decomposition. <laughs> Which all leads me to this question. How is it possible that in 2016 a third movie was announced? Really? And it just never came to fruition. So how are they going to answer that? That's what I'd like to know. I'd like to read the first stab at that script. I think I think it would it would uh, begin with him with Bernie being frozen in ice very right. quickly. Yeah. But how he do that? It'd be Demolition a, Man style. How he do do that leading a conga line in St. Thomas? I don't know. <laughs> We'd have to get him out of St. Thomas. That place is too fucking hot. Right. For him to for him to not just fucking. I mean, once we get onto St. Once we get onto St. Thomas, there are so many shenanigans. There's that sort of movie thing that happens when. Somebody breaks into your room, but you nobody can hear him. Barry Bostwick is not being yeah. very sneaky as a thief. No. And yet poor Larry, or rather uh, Richard, Jonathan Silverman, can't can't hear him at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is the conga line, right? Because... Yeah, the white people conga. Yeah. Um, which, again, felt like an early 90s moment of cultural catharsis. <laughs> Like a way, like celebrate, it's like the, the, right. It was like a memorial for the eighties. <laughs> White people doing the conga with a Wall Street guy at the front who is dead. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Um, well, and and, and somebody, speak, uh, somebody false. Isn't this you know? That's I forget the woman, like a, a husband and wife or boyfriend and girlfriend are there, and she congas off with. Yeah. With Bernie and, you know... Doesn't realize he's dead. Doesn't realize he's dead. It's one of those scenes where she says, boy, you sure are easy to talk to, that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, And is is it at this point that Bernie twerks on the sand? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. 
I mean, I I, I thought. But Bernie stays something... there all night with her. Right. But I, as specifically the twerking, I thought this was this was something that that uh, you know the white race is culturally appropriated from African women. But apparently, this is the origin of it all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Back to the Future was right. Maybe Huey Lewis did write, did start rock and roll. Good old Terry this, Kaiser can claim yeah. credit. I think he could. He re- he really really could. Yeah. And this is also where uh, our surrogates re-enter the story. Mm-hmm. Um. And they they point, have come up back. To this point, I thought they were done. I thought we were done with. I thought. Yeah. Right. When they got caught, that that was it for them. But the movie has other plans. Yes. Not only are they released from the police, they were released just from that. What what we really liked was that when they, uh, it was the kind of medium or rather long shot in the subway where they're Laurel and Hardy kind of. Yeah. And then Bernie, and uh, I have another instance here of something that's supposed to be funny, but is. It's terrible. uh, It's terrifying. Uh, Bernie hitting his head on the frame bar. Whatever sound effect they're using there <laughs> is clearly from a Michael Myers movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounds more real than real. Yeah. Well, and I had, uh, I, it's speaking of horror, in terms of sort of the toxic masculinity thing, when Andrew McCarthy starts following Troy Byer around. Mm-hmm. That, that that was a little hard to take in moments because she's clearly not interested and wants nothing to do with him. And I can't, right. I can't remember. Did he want? Did he just want to be with her, or was there a Bernie-related reason <laughs> to be there? There was a Bernie. Wasn't there, there a, was Bernie a Bernie-related related reason? I can't recall what the Bernie-related reason was, <laughs> but I think there was a Bernie-related reason. Yeah. Um, but he is in. He's kind of. He's into her. Yeah. And she is accepting that he is hauling a corpse around the world. Does she uh, know already by that point? No, but when she finds out, she there is no resistance. There, yeah, that's true. It's really interesting. Like again, in She's abstract, perfectly willing to help. <laughs> in abstract, like the the. There's not many women in this. There's hardly any women women in this movie, which is obviously not a good thing. Right. The women that are in the movie are two women of color. So you think, oh, that's a good thing. One of them One is of a, voodoo a voodoo priestess. priestess, though. Okay. So where are we when it comes to being progressive at this point? Right. <laughs> like, yeah. how, how many steps forward and steps back, back are we have we taken? Yes. And then, then they do a thing where they try and offset the voodoo priestess by having her father being a person of color who's a doctor. Uh-huh, right. But also seems to know a lot about voodoo. Yeah, right, right. With no explanation. As, as though that the might... The explanation being no, racism. But it's, yeah, it's, it's not just that. They make it seem as though it might be a part of his actual practice. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Um... There's a quality call back to the Rocky Horror Picture Show with uh, Barry Bostick in the ladies' changing room when he's spying on the ladies. He goes into the he he hides when he's spying on the um when he's taking photographs doing his Clouseau shtick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. goes into the ladies' changing room with a bunch of clothes. That's right. And I immediately thought of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is what he is most famous. You said Barry Bostwick, and for some reason, I, my mind went to Tom Wright. So I was trying. <laughs> my brain was splitting there i i'll say say this just so i can say it it's not related to anything you just said tom right mm-hmm. 
uh, one of the reasons why I'm so fond of Tom Wright, despite the fact that he is excellent in everything he does. Right. Um, there's an episode of Star Trek Voyager called, called Tuvix. You ever heard of this? Tuvix, no. Where tu- Tuvac and Neelix get merged together in a transporter accident, and the resultant uh, hybrid is called Tuvix. So he's half Neelix, half Tuvac. Okay. Played by Tom Wright. Obviously, at the end of the episode, they decide that it has to go back to being the two of them again. <laughs> but I guarantee you, if they, if the, if this, ep- if the episode had turned around and said. It will just be Tuvix from now on. I would have been happy. He is so good in that episode. I've never seen an episodic performance like it. All right. I'm going to have to either check it out or so, recheck it out because it's hard for me to remember. And he's Morgan. And he's Morgan from Seinfeld as well. So. Right. Uh, but carry on. Sorry. I've derailed it there, but I just wanted to speak up for Tom Wright. <laughs> well, he's great. I mean, yeah. if you know him, you know him. Sunshine State. Terrific in that, too. Mm-hmm. Um... I had a, I had some, unsurprisingly, some Terminator Salvation flashbacks, in the way that, the, in the way that the independent storylines of the movie kind of brushed past each other, uh-huh. cross each other in the yeah, and that town square set piece is one of the few moments yeah, right. in the film when all three of the independent storylines in these movies are together for just one moment, yeah, in time and place. So and I forget uh, Barry Bostick, Char- uh, right? The the legacy. Richard and Larry in the surrogate and the Richard and Larry. Right. <laughs> and so our surrogates, they come back empty-handed yeah. mm-hmm. to just see Bernie somewhere, right? Yeah, they just, that's what I mean. They see him in the town square and they kidnap and him, And they right? kidnap him. But then our, like, this all happens in a span of about four minutes. Because right. then our yeah. heroes see Bernie in their car and just yeah. take Bernie out of the car. Again, another horrific scene. Oh, yeah. Where they just grab him by the feet, and the car takes off, and it's bump, 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 yeah. bump, head, you know, head on the pavement kind of, kind of action. And then they I, go to I the lo- bank, I believe, right? Yeah, and, the, and the, there's the parasailing scene comes up at this point. I was going to say, so that's where Barry Bostwick gets involved. And, yeah. I mean... There's there's some undressing of women dressed up as slapstick, uh, but this is the point where Barry Bostwick is kind of kind of lose his mind. It's it's that's that's it that's the key. It's like he basically the bit of him, of him like being up being a secretly trying to be a private detective and being completely conspicuous about it is worn out. Yeah. So Barry Bostwick just starts doing these really funny kind of extensions of that right right in this tired manner like there's a great scene when he's walking on the beach and he's like slyly photographing women in bikinis mm-hmm. with but he's not try, even trying hard to disguise it and you can just see the exhaustion both of the bit <laughs> and the actor right but he's he's again he's woven it into something really genuinely funny yeah which is him just like like his like limp arm just taking photos of these women in bikinis. Well, and then by the time we get him to that underwater boat. <laughs> okay, so and so <laughs> okay, okay. So. I'm sure this is where a bulk of notes happened. So Bernie parasails with a with a couple we've never seen before. Yeah. That he's again. We have to assume that just like just like what happened the other night. 
two people suspended disbelief that he was Picked dead. Picked him up, don't realize he's he dead. was this nice yet quiet guy. Yeah. Who wanted to be part of their vacationing activities, <laughs> and he ended up parasailing. In fact, it's probably better that we don't know how that ha- how he ended up parasailing. Right. Yeah. Let's just let's just figure that that's what happened. Um. Yeah. So Bernie is walking underwater, or da- dancing. Well, underwater. Uh, yeah. Don't forget because I. I <laughs> what am I missing? It's ridiculous that we haven't even mentioned this yet. Bernie the He's corpse. Dead who is dead, can move due to the voodoo resurrection, but only when he's hearing music. Right. So they strap... Um, and also, going back and forth between what's believable and what's not and how much you have to suspend your disbelief, but they hook up a Walkman to him that functions perfectly well underwater, and that's how he's walking underwater. <laughs> now, now, my first... So, I've got a lot of notes about both this sequence and in the, you know, both the sequence... Yes, as you should. In, <laughs> in the context of the movie and in the concept in the context of underwater sequences in movies. Because we've been talking about horrific things happening and this movie just all in. <laughs> yeah, and this is the final act. This is the third act of the movie yeah. as well. Right. They this really are saving the best to last. <laughs> so he, he's, he's dance-walking underwater... To what I would call aggressively comedic music, <laughs> and the movie needs to do this, yes, because without this, we would again assume that this was a horror movie. Yeah. But of course, because it's an underwater sequence in a movie, it slows everything down. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say it. Even even in a comedy about a dead man who's sea walking. <laughs> It still goes slower than wax. But the coup de grace here is, for me, the... the... Okay, and this is where we go from pre-Ramiro zombie movie to post-Ramiro zombie movie. (laughs) We're now playing by different rules, post-1968 rules. He gets a spear through his head, which, as all zombies in the post-Ramiro zombie film... Severs the brain, stops them being zombies. Not not Bernie. Well, but it does temporarily. So the spear through the head temporarily ab- abates the voodoo curse. Oh my gosh. Because they stop him You're for right. a little while. Yeah. Well, but I'm does trying that just to think because he... They so have does to that just drag, they have, make him deaf? More horror, but... Does it make him deaf so he can't hear the music? Maybe that's the only explanation. Did it go that through his ears? Literally the only explanation. But as soon, but the imagery of him getting hit through the head and that takes, you know, that that he's de-zombied. That's all Night of the Living Dead onwards zombie movies. Yeah. So we're really tapping. We're tapping into the rules and conventions of the zombie <laughs> genre, whichever way you look at it. Right. Again, this is a comedy. <laughs> Like a Reaganite comedy. Well, not just him getting the spear through the head. So he gets the spear through the head, but that... But he does get the chest still, right? Does he get the chest? Oh, he gets the treasure. Does he get the treasure before... I think he had the treasure by that point. He did? I thought he got speared and then got the treasure. It's perfectly possible. But but, uh, what I do remember is Andrew McCarthy, Larry, Larry Wilson... 
grabbing both ends of the spear that are on the opposite sides of his head and dragging Bernie up onto the shore. I challenge you to find a frame of Cannibal Holocaust that is as upsetting as that. Exactly. (laughs) But then we get into a moment where I think this, this movie just... It glides into the sublimely awful. Mm-hmm. Bernie with a treasure chest and a spear to his head. Dance pulling a passenger car. Yes, yes. <laughs> At that point, I thought, my subconscious could never dream this. <laughs> this is beyond what my imagination is capable of creating. Yeah. In slumber. Yet this movie has put that on screen. All that at once. Bold, bold choice. But again, then, yeah. but, it, but again, like the thing is, is Eddie, I see Bernie in a suitcase and I feel sick to my stomach. I yes. see Bernie being stuffed into a refrigerator and I, I am deeply unsettled and uncomfortable. Yeah. I see a spear go through his head and I am chilled to the bone. And then I see him hooked up to a buggy mm-hmm. like a horse with yeah. straps attached to his it's a like human centipede. How is this different from human head. centipede? Oh my god. Like the movie keeps moving the bar. And then and then let then of I good think... taste. It's amazing. And... And then it not only is it horror, but it's also suspense. When the cart is careering down yes, the hill, and he's like, all spinning. it does is make me anxious. It is not funny. It is not entertaining. It just makes my heart beat faster. <laughs> and I tell you, I tell you where also this in the this this is all final act. Okay, yeah. this is not over the course of the movie. This isn't this the last is the half end. hour of the movie. And where they raise the stakes is suddenly. Um, Richard is involved in a DOA crank style storyline. Yes. Where he's gonna die unless they find an antidote yes. to what he's been poisoned with. All of a sudden, he's Indiana Jones. Right? He's gonna. <laughs> exactly. This is a storyline that is only in the third act of the movie. I mean, that, that storyline has sustained whole movies. Right. Two crank movies. To a to, uh, DOA and its remake. Uh-huh. This is an optional pleasure of this movie. <laughs> that le- that kind of... That's a subplot. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah, I said it. The last, uh, you know, the last half hour of this movie, it becomes a full-on zombie movie and a full-on suspense movie. Yeah. No, yeah, you're not wrong. It's like this this movie, like I said, they just keep moving the bar. When when you they move the bar of good taste, they move the bar of your expectations. They move the bar of, uh, like you said, what kind of movie this is. Yes. Yes. Oh. When you are watching, right, if you want, this is this is the perfect barometer for thinking about a so bad it's good movie. If you are like 10, 15 minutes from the end of whatever movie you're watching, 
Think about if the movie you're watching is doing what Weekend at Bernie does in its final act. And if it doesn't, you might have to reconsider that categorization. <laughs> yes, right. Because it, if it is not delivering at the level of changing the genre and the style of the movie in the last half hour <laughs> and succeeding. Right. And doesn't, well, because. So her father, mm-hmm. sorry, Claudia's father, Troy uh, Beyer. Right. Who we were just talking about, who's like a medical professional, but seems to know a bit about voodoo because one of my last notes is a medical professional needs the blood of a virgin. Right. Right. Is that how we and, cure you know, Jonathan we, Silverman? Sorry? Yes. Right? Right. But yeah, and then there's the joke of, of, like, Andrew McCarthy, which is actually a pretty good joke. Like, <laughs> he has to admit he's a virgin in order to save his... Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His yeah. friend's life. Right. Solid gag. That is a good gag. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> But we should say, I mean, I should say that, obviously, I, I don't want to, I don't want to gloss over the fact that by making this movie about voodoo, it becomes a more racist movie than it needs to be. Of course. Uh, and I just want to put, you know, yeah. I'm not gloss in all the praise for this movie, I'm not glossing over it's the It's not lost that, on us. <laughs> no, you do yeah. A, you do a movie about voodoo in the early 90s, you're, you're, you're on a racist you're, track. You're on, yeah, exactly. You are throwing down racial tropes. Um, so we've got, and the fact that, you know, even the medical professionals are basically voodoo priests with white coats on. Yeah. Right. It's a problem. Not, not good. Not good. Um, and I tell you what else is not good. The, the winners of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there are, there are a couple times where I would say, I would have a note that would say something like, why is Larry Wilson one of our heroes? Right. Because everything he's doing in this movie is despicable and terrible. They end up as millionaires. Yeah. Um, on a boat full of prostitutes. Uh, they're... Celebrating. So their black surrogate equivalents turn into goats. Into goats, Right. Bernie stays undead for eternity. <laughs> the wasps are winning, right? Yeah. This, is, this is this. That's what this movie is telling me. Yeah. You're white. You're Anglo-Saxon, and you're Protestant. You have succeeded. You, yeah. You, Everyone else you in this get movie gets fucked rewards. in the ass, big style, and literally fucked in the ass because goat fucking is talked about earlier in this movie. Right? There are people on this island who are fucking goats? Yep. <laughs> um. So toxic white capitalism wins out. The worst elements of this movie are vindicated. Well, it is a nineteen. That's my other. That's my second beef. <laughs> it is a nineteen ninety three movie taking place in nineteen eighty nine. So what else could you expect? And that my uh. So my final. Oh no, this is that's a that's technically a credit check note. So I'll uh. I'll, yeah, I'll, but well, I'll, let's. I'll I mean, by all means, let's. Uh, is there anything else you want to say uh, about the main portion? No. Of, yeah. Of I mean, I, I. Yeah. I, I think I got. I think I got it all out. Okay. <laughs> so, a, and by the way, this, so a this, credit we'll check. Probably doing for several reasons. We'll probably do another episode on this, not least because 
we both own the movie. Yeah. So we we can rewatch it with ease if we remember what platform we bought it. That's uh, that's the only hiccup. <laughs> and because But only one of us yeah, can watch I'm it sure in HD. I'm sure there's a dimension Tom. of this movie we've not mined. What's that? I'm sure there's a dimension of this movie we have not oh, mined. Yes. Because like like truly great movies, truly bad movies uh contain multitudes. Um so credit check. <laughs> Please, yes. Okay. <laughs> in key- credit check is in keeping what we said about the rest of the movie. The cartoon version of Bernie with an arrow through his head looks and sounds horrific. Yes. It is if anything more creepy in animated it form. Is. It's terrible. Than in live action. <laughs> and the fact that the impaled head of Bernie sits lifeless throughout the end credits. I mean Fuck the melting pumpkin in Halloween. That's the most horrific credit sequence of all time. Do you think John Carpenter was there in 1993? He goes, damn it. They, Son of they a beat bitch. Me. I, I resign. They have put me to shame. Uh, I will make ghosts on- of Mars and retire. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is effectively the same as retiring. Yes. It's a it's a retirement letter. It's a letter of resignation in a movie. I've uh I've never seen a more extensive list of advertisers. Um pretty much anything in this movie that's filler is some kind of advertising of a company or a place. Yeah. Um it was shot on location. The, the credits reveal, as if you needed them to confirm right. this, that it was shot on location with the participation of the local government in St. Thomas. Thomas, right? So many different bodies and organizations from the island are credited here. It is a it's a tourist film, you know. Yeah. It is uh, in addition to everything else that it is. It works as a as a as a promotional come visit. Film. Yeah. Um. Then. My final final note in the credit check is that this is a job that's listed. <laughs> Filmic consultant. I'm sorry, say that again? Filmic consultant. <laughs> what? Never heard of this job title. <laughs> what? Never. Do the people involved with this movie not know how to make a film? <laughs> We Why know would that's you need not a true. filmic consultant? So there you go. Yeah, we know that's not true. Robert Klein directed a mustacheless <laughs> Tom Selleck in Folks. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that's it. You know, when it, <laughs> what, what was this guy's job? Like, what was it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> now I'm thinking maybe he was like, maybe it's like a cinema historian who's like, you know what would be really funny here? If we did a long shot Laurel and Hardy routine, <laughs> yeah, exactly. maybe that's where maybe that's why there are moments in this movie that, uh. that are, are like actual cinema, <laughs> right? Maybe it explains more than 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 I thought it did. That's crazy. Anyway, I mean, you may you you, you may feel trepidation about spending between. Eight and twenty dollars on purchasing this movie. <laughs> I'll have, have you know, you, if... sir, it was only fourteen ninety nine. Fourteen. Okay, so 
already I've shaved five dollars off that. <laughs> um, if you if you <laughs> if you have any interest in the <laughs> in the bad movie genre, this is your you you need to see this movie. This is yeah. as essential as seeing the room, in my opinion. Yes, absolutely. Don't don't be put off by the the you know the endless internet lists that tell you this is one of the worst sequels ever made. Uh, they're not wrong, but you <laughs> exactly right. what they're missing is is the key to to why this movie it's is why this movie is so much fun to finish. Yeah. All right, we did it. <laughs> now we need to retire. I think. Yeah. After <laughs> just. Not quite yet, Tom. Our, now our credibility is shot. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta... We've hitched our wagon to the star of Weekend at Bernie's <laughs> 2. <laughs> oh, also, I've got one more thing to say. Yeah. This, or this, this, this is another kind of movie that is perfect for uh, placeholder dialogue that you only get in bad, bad movies. Oh, yeah. In this... In this movie, people say, get some rest right. often, which is always a sign that you're in a bad movie. Right. It was what Mel Brooks and Carl Reiner used to use as their criteria for what when they wanted to watch a bad movie. It had to have either secure the perimeter or get some rest. That was they were the only movies they'd watch. Um, and the other one is, is a more regionally specific bad movie convention. For any movie other than Midnight Cowboy, if you hear anyone say, Hey, I'm walking here! <laughs> you're in a bad movie. Yeah. As long as it's not Midnight Cowboy where that originated. Right. I like this response, too. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> you will... You. It's like, I feel like doing one of those old-timey exploitation trailers for this. It's like, you'll laugh. You'll be appalled. <laughs> you'll be shocked. <laughs> terrified. It's Weekend at Bernie's 2. Bernie's the Revenge of Bernie. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for Weekend at Bernie's 2. When you hear us next time, we'll be pitching sequels to a 1993 or, sequel. Or Dying Trying. Dying Trying, exactly right. All right, for Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, Michael Schantz here of the How Dare You Awards. We'll be back soon. Say goodbye, Tom. The goat blood and the goat urine, that's your department. I ain't got nothing to do with that. <laughs> that's a great choice. It's a great line. Well played. Delivered to perfection. Yep, as always. By one Simmered to perfection by one of the great character actors of our era. Tom Wright. All right. Until next time, everyone.